MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, June 8th, 2020. Today, two officers who pushed down a protester in Buffalo on video have been charged with felony assault. The fire hose of lies is deliberate. Florida sees a new single-day record for coronavirus cases since reopening. The April and May jobs reports were fake. Uh, It was the Pentagon that ordered the National Guard medical helicopters to fly low in a combat maneuver over protesters. The mayor of D.C. has declared the block of 16th Street in front of the White House Black Lives Matter Plaza. One of Ahmed Arbery's murderers used a racial slur after killing him. And Ukraine found no evidence against Hunter Biden in a case audit by the top prosecutor. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. How are you? How's your weekend? It was really good. Yesterday, there was an amazing caravan action that Black Lives Matter San Diego and March for Black Lives San Diego organized together. And it was essentially just truly A.G. I think it was like over a thousand cars that started there were all of these stops that they had planned it started in la jolla and then each stop was associated with some justice action item something that needs to be addressed or remembered basically in terms of violence against people of color and it was the coolest thing i've ever been a part of it was socially distanced and because everyone's in their cars and there was like a facebook feed that BLM was doing and everybody was following and it went from La Jolla to all the way to Otay Mesa detention center is where it ended but it was like yeah I have to I'll show you videos later it was fucking crazy though look it up everybody Uh, it's all over social media if you look at uh, if you go to BLM San Diego on Instagram and then you can also look at uh, M for BLSD I think is their handle on Instagram, too. It was just fucking crazy awesome. Yeah, really, really incredible. And I know that we tweeted um, some of those videos and photos of that caravan protest here in San Diego out from uh, both Twitter accounts at Daily Beans Pod and at Muller She Wrote. And it was just it was just breathtaking. Yeah. So I, I, I really commend um, Black Lives Matter San Diego uh, for, for organizing that and how meaningful to have each stop be uh, symbolic of some significant measure or issue uh, or injustice that has to be addressed. So yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And let me correct myself. The, the group was March for black women, San Diego. So their handle on Instagram is M four B W S D. Follow them, follow them and BLM San Diego. They're like badass organizers that keep white people in check in a way that I really, really appreciate because they call out performative activism pretty consistently, and it's like one of those things where as a white person, you know, part of that white fragility is being like, hey, I'm trying to help, you know? But it's like, they the way that they do it is just, uh, not that they're, they're not trying to placate, you know, white people by any means, but it's, it's just what you need to hear. Once you can get over that fragility hump, it's like, oh yeah, the issue with performative activism is... People post it on their Instagram and then they fall by the wayside when this stuff isn't, you know, at the forefront of the the media, essentially. So it's just like 
yeah, you should really follow them. Yeah, agreed. And uh, somebody, I'm I'm looking for the tweet, but somebody had tweeted out, um, you know, normalize saying, I hadn't thought of it that way. I'll delete that tweet. Mm-hmm. Or normalize saying, I hadn't thought of it that way. I'm, I'm listening. Um, and so I feel like that's a big part of what uh, BLM San Diego is doing as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right, we do have a packed show. Thanks to all who attended our live stream happy hour Friday. The next one is this Friday at 4 Pacific time. The theme is Pride. Uh, you can become a patron for as little as 3 bucks a month at patreon.com slash thedailybeans. And if you can't swing it, no worries. We tweet the live link out to the public after the first hour from our Twitter account at dailybeanspod and at Muller, she wrote. Um, later today, we have an interview with uh, Terry Canefield is back to discuss the fire hose of lies from Trump and how they're actually deliberate. They're just deliberate. Um, and and I almost said how they're deliberate now. They've always been deliberate. <laughs> and um, this is just breaking now. It's uh, a little after two on Sunday, June 7th right now when we're recording. Colin Powell is endorsing Joe Biden. Uh, and in case you hadn't heard, Biden has officially earned the 1991 delegates needed to secure the nomination for president. He is now the presumptive nominee. He could pick a VP soon. We will see if he does that before the convention. Um, my personal top choices personally are Val Demings, Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren in no particular order. Um, that's sort of who I'm, those are my, my personal top three. Uh, but I, you know, I'm here and open to listen to who you, who yours are. Uh, and I mean, I don't mean to belittle any of these incredible women, but like if, if Biden picks a potato, I will, (laughs) I will vote for him in November. (laughs) But there are just so many incredible women to choose from. And so uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see who he picks. Yeah, my top picks are the same as yours in that order, especially right now. It's like he would be a fucking idiot if he didn't pick a black woman as his running mate right now. I know. I know. Uh, that comes off as very tokenizing because on one hand it is, but it also is incredibly necessary. It is first and foremost incredibly necessary. And he's going to do it I, I i cannot see him picking anybody other than harris or abrams right now or val demings yeah it would it would be a hot mess if he didn't i think yeah but. i feel like i've seen so much more just hype around harris that's like that's like my my prediction you think i think so especially since they had that moment back in the debates and i think that it would just you know we've talked about this but it would be a symbolic you know sort of coming together essentially of Two races that are at literally at war right now in a lot of ways and yeah. have been. So, yeah, that's that's my prediction. Yeah, um, agreed. All right. Well, let's. Um, we do have a lot of news to get to. You have a lot of updates for us, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, Jordan, what do you got for us today? I have a lot of stories, and the first one, I have to give a major, major trigger warning because there's a lot of depictions of violence against black people, and it's related to Ahmed Arbery. So if you want to skip this part, um, I don't know how long it's going to take, maybe a, a few minutes, a couple minutes, just giving you a heads up. But what's come out is Travis McMichael, he is the one who um, shot... Ahmed Arbery, he William Bryan told investigators that he used a racial slur after he fatally shot Ahmed Arbery in Georgia. Um, it was during a hearing that lasted seven hours, and basically, what 
so the GBI, which is that Georgia Bureau of Investigation? I I don't know. I don't know either. I should have looked that up. My bad. Let me look it up while you let me look it up while you continue. Okay, I'm pretty sure that's what it is because it says GBI Assistant Special Agent uh, in charge Richard Dial testified that Brian told police Travis McMichael said, "quote effing n word" end quote after he shot Arbery three times with a shotgun and left him in the road. Uh, body camera footage also showed a Confederate flag sticker on the toolbox of McMichael's truck. And the agent also said that there were numerous times on social media and via messaging services that McMichael used the same slur. He once messaged someone that he loved his job because there, quote, weren't any N-words anywhere, end quote. Make zero mistakes. I don't think any of our listeners do. This is a racist piece of shit who killed a black man because he was black. That is it. And that is the case a lot, if not most of the time. It's just chilling. It's just chilling to read that and have and have that actually documented. Yeah. I agree. It, uh, I was just going to tell you it is the the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Um, but man, that is... Um, I hope people are waking up to this, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, in this this extra, you know, it brings this... The, I've seen people post on Facebook, and I do a pretty decent job, I think. I, I mean, it's not a job that I do. It's just what happens. But, like, I don't have a lot of conservative people on my feed, you know? And I don't see a lot of, like, bullshit posts. But I've been seeing some fucking bullshit posts saying stuff like, why are we holding up George Floyd as a hero? He has a history of criminality. And they're like, I'm just, I'm not saying he deserved to die. I'm just saying that he has this history of being a shitty person and it doesn't make sense to hold him up as some kind of martyr. And that's the same shit that people said about Ahmad when they tried to pull that bullshit about him having been in the house previously and there being security footage there. None of that shit fucking matters at all. There's a court system that exists to process behaviors that are not in accordance with the law. Granted, that court system does not administer justice fairly at all, but assuming that it did, that's what it would be for. It's not for some vigilante racists to fucking shoot people dead in the streets. Fuck off with your bullshit and call out any of your friends that post that stuff. I I was looking at this guy's comments. No one was saying anything to him other than, I appreciate you saying this, man. Yeah, this is a good point no one's talking about. It's not a good point. None of it is a good point at all. It's completely irrelevant and pointless. Yeah. Yeah, and, and as we know, Georgia does not have a hate crime statute. It is one of the 13 states that does not. Um, and after um, Ahmad Arbery's killing, there was a push for a hate crime in, in Georgia. It had newfound resurgence. And I'm, I'm uh, um, making calls and urging other people to make calls to Georgia about now, especially with this, uh, you know, revelation that came out of that seven-hour hearing about what was said uh, about Arbery after he was shot three times. Um, mm-hmm. This needs this needs to happen. Um, mm-hmm. 
And there there needs to be an investigation at the federal level for hate crimes as well. Absolutely. And even like, I mean, Breonna Taylor, she has not seen justice in the way that she deserves at all yet. In all of these cases, you know, there are wins that are coming out. Like, for example, Brianna's boyfriend, they dropped the charges against him because they initially had fucking charges on him, even though they did a no-knock raid at the wrong goddamn house mm-hmm. and then killed Brianna. They had charges against him because he was defending the household that they fucking walked into. And so, like, those charges have been dropped. That's a win, yes, until those officers are prosecuted and are in jail for what they did, it's not a one scenario. And so there's so much action that needs to be followed through with, in depending on the state, like you were saying, it's, it's harder to get that justice. So it's going to require more, you know, organizing. And, and um, I mean, that's not my place to say as an ally, but more allyship, more effective allyship in supporting those petitions and funds and, and anything, writing your representatives. I don't know. Hell, a lot of our listeners fucking know people that are like in government. Talk talk to them more. I'm sure it's on the forefront of their mind right now, but consistently like we need to be talking to these people and talking to our networks as much as we can all the time. Like black people have been talking about how being black becomes like a like a second job. Like they have their, their they have their full time job and then their other full time job is being black. White people need to start waking up and having a job element be in their life too for working against anti black culture, racism, murder in this country. It's just something we have to do. There's no other way it's going to change. Everybody has to be all hands on deck right now. So agreed. Yeah, especially changing shit and fucking shit states like. Sorry, <laughs> it's not a shit state. States that do shitty things like Georgia or let shitty things happen. States, states with shitty governments. States with yes. shitty gerrymandered governments. Yes, that's what that is, that's, I think yes, what that is 1,000% what I mean. I do not mean Georgia's a yeah. shitty state. Georgia's beautiful and I know it has great people. Uh, all right. My second story is coming out of the mayor of D.C. Bowser, Bowser said no arrests were made during Saturday's demonstrations in D.C., um, which is pretty good news uh bowser said that the demonstrations were peaceful and she went on fox and friends talked to chris wallace and she just you know laid into the same stuff she's she's been talking about just her criticism of trump's decision to just bring in all these fucking federal police and national guard soldiers just escalating tensions with the protesters virtually guaranteeing that there would be that sort of escalation of violence and and arrests uh, impending after that. And also on Friday, Bowser renamed a section of 16th Street that leads to the White House, uh, Black Lives Matter Plaza. So that's something that's now officially commemorated in that area. Um, Bowser told Wallace in the interview, quote, what we saw last week was basically an invasion of our city, active duty army troops, Moved from all points around the country to threaten our autonomy. What you saw, and I won't have it reduced to a spat, was how I have to defend our taxpayers. So that's Bowser. It's, yeah, there's, 
I was just going to make a comment on like how much leadership is being seen around the country right now from all, all of these like mayors and governors trying to do the right thing and, and then the flip side of that too. All the mayors and governors that are not doing the right thing. They have to pick up the slack for all the ones who are not doing the right thing and the federal fucking government who's doing nothing. In fact, they are doing something. They're inciting the division yeah. uh, and and bringing in these uh, troops to... Uh, their <laughs> if there's anything violent about the protests, it's the police. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, these unmarked... Uh, soldiers of fortune or whatever the fuck you want to call them. And uh, I think, didn't Trump uh, order actually, uh, I think he's ordering the National Sunday, Guard now yeah. out of out of D.C. Yeah. So. Yep, yeah, Sunday morning he's doing exactly that. Um, he said, I have, in a tweet, of course, I have just given an order for our National Guard to start the process of withdrawing from Washington, D.C. now that everything is under perfect control, mm-hmm. end quote. I'm sure that's it. It's not because literally every person that anybody respects in the military space or the world really has completely denounced anything that's coming out of your fucking mouth right now. That letter that Mattis wrote, did you read that? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Fucking crazy, dude. That's so crazy for someone like Mattis to come out and write something. All of these people just completely shitting on his interpretation of what it means to represent and defend the Constitution of the United States. Yeah, it was Mattis. There was uh, four other uh, four-star admirals, generals, um, and then, of course, Kelly and the former chief of staff, you know, who Trump is trying to make a coffee boy out of, but he was his fucking chief of staff. And, um, you know, obviously, I wish these folks would have spoken up sooner, but here we are. Yeah. Um, And my final story is coming out of Buffalo. So we talked a little bit about this instance, but essentially there was a older white man he looked white in the video at least um i'm only saying this for a description of the video if it's jogging your memory but he's that that tall dude that's walking towards police and then the police are doing you know their clearing line where they'd all just walk in in one big like militant block of men essentially and then he like smacks this old guy and he stumbles falls hits his head starts completely bleeding out that guy uh, wound up getting put on leave, I believe it was. Uh, he Oh, two of them. They were suspended. Two officers were suspended because of that incident. And then, in response to those two officers' suspension, 57 police officers resigned from that emergency response team in solidarity with the two officers who got suspended. Good. I'd like to see. Um, I'd like to look into the records of those fifty-seven officers to see how many instances of excessive force they've been involved in. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, the only thing that I could even remotely see as 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 something that would make that solidarity act less horrifying is if their commanders literally said before they started walking. Push anybody down that comes at you. I don't give a fuck. You know, I'll stick up for you or something. And then if that guy didn't stick up for him, for those two, and then they wound up getting suspended or something, if it was like something like that, then maybe that becomes slightly less 
egregious, but I don't think that's what happened at all. I think this is just more cops protecting each other's violent tendencies because they refuse to hold themselves accountable. And any sort of accountability to them they see as a threat because their whole premise of being able to do whatever the hell they want is founded on supporting each other throughout all those instances, throughout those times when you use excessive force or fucking murder a civilian. It's just like how this whole system operates and is able to get to the place where they are right now of having so much power over everybody. So, yeah, and that's why we need to look at qualified immunity um, and and get rid of that shit. Yeah. Um, those are the stories that I have for my A-block today. Well, there was a bit of a ray of good news, though. Those two officers um, that were suspended and caused those 57 others to you know, step off that emergency response team. Those two officers were just charged today with felony assault for pushing down that 75-year-old protester. Fuck, yes. God, can you... If that's a precedent that's being set, there's going to be a whole lot of officers being prosecuted (laughs) for felony assault, and I hope so, because they should be. Yep, I agree. And uh, there's just... I I can't keep up with all of the police violence videos that that have come out in the last two weeks. Um, Oh, yeah. I can't, can't keep up with them. Yeah, and, and these other officers that shut their body cams off—that should be punishable by removal from the force or tampering with evidence. That should be yep. a charge. You should be charged with tampering yep. with evidence for turning off your body cam. Why do they even have an off button? What mm-hmm. is the fucking point of a body cam? Why? Uh, like, I can understand. Uh, you know, we went through the whole Mueller investigation, and I can understand. Hey, we're not going to get to see some of this evidence. There are some interviews we're not going to be able to hear. There's some counterintelligence information that we're never going to see, and I'm fine with that. Uh, the Mueller grand jury material, w- Congress is going to get it. I don't know if we're going to get it. Kind of okay with that, you know, because it it pr- it helps, you know, prevent. Uh, being prejudicial or tainting future juries or wrecking future investigations. But police body cams, I cannot come up with one fucking good reason that they should be able to be turned off for any reason at all. I just can't. Even in my, you know, we've been on rule of law stuff for years now. I can't in my brain of brains. I don't know what that means. Think of a fucking reason <laughs> that you would want to turn off a body cam that is there for transparency. And, you know, you're you're an officer. You're supposed to protect people. You're a public servant. Why are you turning off a body cam? When would that become an issue other yep. than you are trying to hide your fucked up behavior? Yep. Exactly. And I, I hate it. to I hate to use their own arguments that, you know, are in service of of them because I don't want that to at all rise to the top of the narrative, but it protects police officers too. That's one of the only reasons they were okay with it in the first place. If you're not, if you're not a piece of shit, it protects you. If there is a resisting arrest or there is a use of force or someone has a weapon or your life is in danger, that body cam protects you as an officer. Exactly. I don't don't fucking get it either. But they know, they know that the majority of those instances that are occurring when there's a discrepancy between what happened in the cop's mind and the fucking victim's mind, a majority of those times it's a cop being a piece of shit to the person. So that's that's Mm. why that argument falls on deaf ears because they're like, oh, I can't conceive of any time that would be necessary. I I never need protection. (laughs) 
I'm I'm a cop. I need qualified immunity. If I kill somebody, I shouldn't be subject to the laws. Uh, oh, oh, that's not going to work anymore. Okay, well, with body cams. Okay, well, I should be able to turn those off in, in instances where I feel like I don't know the cameras threatening your life. I don't fucking understand it. It's bullshit. And uh, if if now I hey. I am open to ideas that I've never heard of before. If there is a reason that you know of, <laughs> anyone out within the within the sound of my voice of why you should be able to turn off a body cam, let me know. Maybe there's something I haven't thought of, but I, I've racked my brain and I can't come up with shit. Yeah. I mean, as long as it's as easy to become a cop as it is right now, fucking I see zero reason for all of them. To not have the camera constantly rolling, like you said, and you're you're right. It protects police just as much if you're if you're a good cop. Yep. All right. Thank you for those stories. Uh, we got a little. We used a little. We dropped some f bombs. Yeah. Sorry. So that's all right. We're mad. Um, but do you have any final thoughts before we uh, before we go on? I would like to share thoughts that I have. When I wake up, which is, I said this previously, but to challenge myself to do something to either educate myself, have have an aspect of reflection, action, and education every day. Just, that's just something we all need to just integrate into our mindset and how we operate moving forward. You know, there's like so many different resources that will point you in the right direction to find the ways to best do those three things but I think that that's that's something that is like very very important I also saw a, a tweet I'm sorry I don't remember who sent it but it was it was basically like you know be on social media see all the shit post all the shit but then get off social media and start doing tangible work reflection etc about all this stuff you know that's how we transform what is currently something that's at the forefront of the American mindset into something that will be transmittable, lasting change. Agreed. Reflection, action, education. Every day. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for those updates, Jordan. Uh, everybody, we will be right back with Terry Canefield to talk about the fire hose of lies coming out of this White House, this administration and uh, what it means for us moving forward. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey friends, it's AG, and today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunbasket. Well, it looks like they're gradually reopening the country, but whether or not it's currently safe uh, is highly debatable. If you're like me and looking to reduce unnecessary trips out of the house and trying to avoid crowded grocery stores, I recommend trying Sunbasket. It's a perfect and tasty solution for the times we're living in. Sunbasket delivers healthy, delicious meals straight to your door. Sunbasket has uh, amazing recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, including paleo, which is me, gluten-free, Mediterranean, vegetarian, and more. They make it easy and convenient with everything pre-portioned and ready to prep and cook, which I also enjoy because it saves me a bunch of time. So you can enjoy a dinner full of organic produce 
produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. Also good for me because I burn Jello. Uh, each week, Sunbasket offers a wide range of uh, recipes to choose from, so you can try mouth-watering dis- dishes like black bean tostadas, uh, Hwasan steak strips, uh, and roasted salmon with miso-glazed eggplant. They have just so much to choose from. You can order from any recipes across their menu. Skip a week if you need to, or double up on your favorite recipes. It's simple and easy. There's no gotchas or hidden fees. And Sunbasket facilities have the highest level of food and employee safety, which is important to us. They are reinforcing strict adherence to their existing standards and their operating procedures and their increasing sanitization frequency in their distribution centers to protect you and your family. Right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go right now to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout for $35 off your order. Again, sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and use promo code dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, joining me today is a former guest from Mueller. She wrote, this is her first time appearing on The Daily Bean. She's a lawyer. She's an author. Her name is Terry Canefield. Terry, thanks for speaking with me today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we got some important things going on. Um, obviously, it's a pretty crazy news week. We couple, well, I mean, it's been a, it's been a wild three years, but particularly last week when the May jobs report came out, something seemed off about the numbers. We, we had had a decline in the number of people applying for, uh, you know, in jobless claims. Uh, however, we're still at 42 million and the, the unemployment rate seemed off. Something seemed off. And I tweeted, you know, this is odd. I've never questioned a jobs report before from the Bureau of Labor Statistics until the past two months. And then we shortly learned that May's report um, had been misrepresented and that the unemployment rate was actually three points higher because they weren't counting some of the unemployed. And that was what the White House went with. They did it on purpose and knew that they would get caught. And so this is sort of a little bit of a different dynamic than what we generally see uh, coming out of of the Trump administration, where he'll he'll make an off the cuff lie and then take a sharpie to a map to make it real. In this case, it seems like a deliberate lie. And I was wondering, you are working uh, on a book and and some other things about about this very phenomenon. Can you explain it a little bit to us? Well, certainly. I don't see this the job report as a departure. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, I think that the lies have been deliberate from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I, one of the things that is has been very hard for all of us since 2016 is to readjust to this sort of world and understand what exactly is happening. And it's stunning to think of the White House putting out a lie, which they know is a lie and they know will be caught and they'll do it anyway. And once you understand, I mean, I've sort of done deep dives into disinformation, the history of disinformation, propaganda, how it works, including how the Internet has changed the way that disinformation is disseminated. And when you look at what the purpose of the disinformation is, it actually makes perfect sense, given that the White House would make this deliberate lie. And what I mean by that, okay, so I'll back up a little bit um, and talk about the one of the propaganda methods where propaganda actually really means disinformation is called the fire hose of falsehoods. And this is where, and Putin has actually uh, so perfected this method that it's referred to as a Russian propaganda method. He, pro- he had it perfected by the time of the um, Ukrainian invasion, 
which is the leader disseminates rapid fire lies, outrageous lies, lies that make no attempt to conform to reality. And what ends up happening if you're not prepared for it is the lie itself becomes the story. And people are stunned by it. Um, and it's done on purpose. And psychology backs up the fact that this works, that it actually is a very, very effective propaganda technique, which goes against all of your common sense, right? How can this work? But it works. And one of the reasons it works is because the liar has the advantage of first impression. Mm-hmm. So the, the Trump comes out with this, he crows, and he's taking a victory lap. And look at the job numbers. Look at what we've done. And everybody's sort of scratching their heads. They know it's not right. But this message gets widely disseminated. Now, um, Right. That reminds me of what Bill Barr did with the mischaracterization of the Mueller report. Exactly. It was absolutely on purpose. And it was on purpose knowing that that traditional methods of countering propaganda don't work in this case because refuting the lie is never completely effective. Even if you use the truth sandwich and all of these methods, it's never completely effective. And part of the reason is the liar has first impression. And then it's, it's very hard to take that back. And then you've got the lie out there first and then you're trying to use truth against the lie. So a lot of people aren't going to see their reputation, and it's never as effective. So he gets the first impression. He does the victory lap. Now, one of the things that he need, that this um, that makes this technique so effective is when it's done in rapid fire. So it's not just the job report, but if you if you go back and you look at how many lies were sort of um, torpedoed out of the White House, out of his surrogates, out of his Twitter feed in the last 24 hours, nobody really has time to focus on anything. It's just completely rapid fire. And the fact checkers can't keep up. People can't keep up. And I think at this point in Trump's presidency, people are catching on to the game. And so it's helping. We're not as overwhelmed so what I mean by that is what the, one of the studies I, I find the most helpful came out of the RAND Corporation, and it's called the Fire Hose of Falsehoods. I refer to it all the time. You search my blog, you'll, you'll, you can find it. It um, talks about how to combat this technique. And when they say that traditional, traditional methods of counteracting propaganda don't work, refuting the lie really doesn't completely work. What they suggest doing is what they call put raincoats on the population. Mm-hmm. So if, if people expect rapid fire lies, then the lies tend to roll right off and they tend not to create the effect that they're, that they're intended to correct. So we're kind of at that point now. I mean, we, he's almost at, what, 20,000 lies? Uh, <laughs> and um, right, people just roll their eyes. I mean, th- there's... The people like us, the people who are paying attention, we, you know, we get it now. And the message that we can put out is, ho-hum, another lie, he's at it again. So when, the, when people ex- expect the lies, it, it isn't as effective. And um, so I, I think that you start with acknowledging that it's actually effective to, to do rapid-fire deliberate lies. It's effective. One of the things it does, it's intended to wear us out, mm. wear us down. And it, it sort of undermines truth by, by leaving you with a feeling if you're rapidly 
um, you're, you're kind of in a fire hose. It's coming at you and, and, you know, very rapidly one lie after another and you can't figure it out and you don't know what's going on. Eventually the idea is people give up and people assume sort of the truth is unknowable, particularly when it's combined with other methods that we see out there. Then eventually people say, we don't really know what's true and what isn't, but at least with the majority of voters that doesn't seem to be happening. Now it did happen with her emails. Mm. It worked. Yeah. The, the same method worked. And so people, um, and one of the reasons that her emails worked is this rapid fire lies. The same lies also need to be repeated and repeated and repeated. And actually one of the Nazi propagandists who, um, you know, really sort of brilliantly talked about a lie has to be seeded and reseeded because if it's, if it's just told once, then it doesn't completely sink in. So it has to be seated and reseated. And her emails was the same thing. It was, it was a complete lie behind all of this that it mm-hmm. meant anything at all. And people heard her emails over and over and over and assumed that there was something to it. Yeah, Bernie was even like, I don't want to talk about your damn emails anymore. Like it was, we were being pelted with it constantly. Totally pelted. So, um, Right. So if you're if you're expecting ex- expecting the lies, then it doesn't have the chance to, to start, you know, to go in. And that's one of the things that Trump is is up against right now is, um, you know, most people know he's a liar and they still feel the need to fact check. But it doesn't it, you know, like some of the lies that he he's telling right now, he actually tweeted um, after a whole day. I don't know what the day was like for you, but I was in tears with some of these um some of this, you know, reporting coming out of the protests with the sheer numbers of people out there on the streets in some of these cities. Mm. And even, even in our small town here, you know, we've got, we've got things going on. So I was just in tears by the, the numbers and moved by the numbers. And then Trump tweets out, not as many people as expected. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so it's, it's really 1984-ish, right? Don't mm. believe your eyes, believe so I think to a lot of people, that's looking very, um, you know, a lot of people are seeing through that right now. And I think that's partly because we're, we're expecting, expecting these deliberate lies. Yeah, I think the more recent lies, uh, the, the one where there was no tear gas used on the peaceful protests in Lafayette Park, people breathed it in. Uh, there were no rubber bullets. They weren't peaceful protests. Uh, the jobs report. Antifa. He's reseeding that lie over and over again. That's like you said, the small crowd size at the protests. Uh, did you see Joyce Vance's tweet, however, though, when she tweeted yeah. his tweet saying, oh, look, the long overdue truth about the inauguration or something, <laughs> something to that effect? Right. I think at this point I would divide the voting population into um, – Roughly two groups. Let, let's say that there aren't too many persuadable voters right now. I think that people generally have a strong feeling about, about Trump. I say that I personally know somebody who's, who's tuning it out and it calls herself apolitical and doesn't intend to vote. But I think the people who, you know, voters, I think, have made up their minds. And so we really largely have two groups out there. We have the group who sees what's happening and they know it's rapid fire lies. And then we have another group that know. actually I should say three groups. We, we do have a group that knows it's lies and they willingly accept the fact that these are lies. Mm. And then you have people duped. So, so the Trump, let's say we're at maybe 55% of people who are, see the lies and are 
totally against Trump. The numbers seem to be a little higher right now, but let's just say 55% of the people see the lies, they know their lies, and they're, they're not having any more of it. Yes. The other people, um, the, the people who are still supporting Trump, those people I would divide into two groups. And another thing that kind of blows people's minds is the idea that a lot of people, just the same, it blows our minds to think that the White House is deliberately lying as a strategy. Mm -hmm. um, it blows people's minds to think that there are people who know these are lies and willingly get behind them. Mm. Those are just bad people. <laughs> if you ask me. Well, the people, okay, there you go. Let's not talk about it. Right. I mean, they, they want to destroy. Um, you know, we can name some of the big shots. We, we know that, 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 you know, they're fine with this because they understand that this is destroying, that the lies are destroying. And then you have a group of people who believe it. Uh, did you see that? There's also a, another group of people who might just uh, see it, know what it is, and can't do anything about it because they're being blackmailed. So, <laughs> I mean, if, you know, if we want to get into the tiny little splinter factions. But I think there's also, uh, speaking of what you were saying about the immense size and uh, unity shown in these protests over the last uh, two weeks, uh, now we've got, I think there is a new group, though, emerging of young uh, voters who are being registered at these protests that that might not that might have otherwise been left behind or or left themselves behind, um, and so I, I that also brings me a lot of hope too. I don't know how big that group is, but I've seen seen it you know with my eyes that um, that it's it's pretty it seems pretty substantial. Right, and I I didn't see this coming. Mm -mm. So I, I'm blindsided by this and, um, of course, heartened by it. Mm -hmm. And it's, what's interesting, you know, you and I have been you know, sort of following all, everything very, very closely for years now. And we kept, you know, in, in the beginning, remember thinking, this is it. This is going to do it. Like, we just found out that this. And now we just found out this. And we just found, and all of these things kept coming out, which sort of stunned us. And then after a while, you know, you know, the things that happened with Russia, the, the lying, the everything else that just was sort of stunning. And then the Ukraine, you know, shakedown, all of these things were so stunning to all of us. And we, nothing ever changed, nothing ever tipped the scales. And people started to buy into this um, Trump is invincible myth, because it seemed like nothing was bringing out the opposition, like, why aren't people concerned? And then this was what did it. And this was, this broke the dam. And what broke the dam was this injustice combined with a few other recent things that have nothing to do with Trump's criming, have nothing to do with um, the sort of corruption really happening. I mean, it's tangentially connected, right? So what happened? What happened was the murder, I mean, I call it the you know, cold-blooded murder of a person. Mm -hmm. And then also these, the coronavirus, when the reports were coming out that it was hitting the black community particularly hard, mm -hmm. and then the attitude across a lot of America was, oh, well, then we're not worried. Yeah. Yeah, the, I think coronavirus exposed a lot of the uh, racial injustices that that systematically have plagued us for 400 years. Uh, right. It's in this. Like, who expected this? Given the things that he has said and done, the sort of racist, you know, 
the things that happened at the border. You know, I was down there. I did some legal work down at the border with some of these asylum seekers. And it was stunning to me that this wasn't doing it. Um, but what did it was these things combined. And now we have this outpouring, people registering. And it's it's really, I mean, I didn't see it coming. It was things that we couldn't have predicted. But it was finally something has broken that and all it's doing really is it's bringing out the people who are we've always known if everybody who wants democracy to survive if everybody in favor of liberal democracy will come out and vote people who believe in science and truth people who know global warming is real and the the young people who this is going to most affect if all of these people were to come out we knew we'd have a landslide but we didn't know how to get them out nothing was felt like was really penetrating. And right, I'm seeing these voter drives and the numbers are, are increasing. Um, and I think they're immune to the lies. I think that these people out on the street, I don't think that they're affected by a lie about the job report. I don't think that's no, I don't think that's on their radar. I don't think they care. I think they're reacting to a much larger, you know, like you said, it's brought out the injustice. Yeah, agreed. Hang on for just one second. I'm going to take a quick break. Terry, will you stick around with me? I have uh, another question for you as soon as we return. All right, great. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with Terry Canefield. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Allform. Uh, If you've been listening to the show, you know you've heard me talk about my Helix mattress. You've heard Jordan talk about hers, Mandy and Joelle talk about theirs. I am now excited to announce Helix has launched a new company called Allform, and they've gone beyond mattresses and started marketing beautiful, comfortable, customizable furniture. Allform makes premium, customizable sofas and chairs that are delivered directly to your home with fast, free shipping. And what makes Allform so amazing is they make it easy to customize your sofa using premium materials and at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You can pick your fabric, and all of their fabrics are spill, stain, and scratch resistant, great for pod dogs and pod cats. The sofa color you can pick, the color of the legs of the sofa, the size of the sofa, the shape of it, so you can make sure it fits in your home perfectly. They've got armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight-seat sectional. So there's something for everyone, and you can always start small and buy more later on if you want. Uh, all form sofas grow and change with you when you move. In the past, if you wanted to order a sofa customized, it would take weeks or even months to make and arrive, and you would need someone to come and assemble it, and you'd have to set up a nine-hour delivery window with a freight company. But all form just takes three to seven days to arrive in the mail, and you can assemble it yourself in a few minutes. No tools needed. Uh, I picked out and customized an all-form three-seater sofa with a chaise lounge in whiskey-colored leather with a walnut-like finish to match the rest of my decor. It is gorgeous, mid-century, and super comfortable. Um, If getting a sofa without trying it sounds a little risky, don't worry at all. You get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months, and if you don't love it, which you will, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund so there's no restocking fees or anything weird. They also have a forever warranty, like literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners. That's allform.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. We've been talking with uh, author, blogger, amazing, amazing woman, Terry Canefield. Terry, um, I, I, I had a couple more questions for you here, because before the break, we were talking about this murder, this grave injustice, and, uh, you know, and then on top of the exposure of systematic racism by both COVID and in policing. 
And, uh, you, you know, we were commenting we hadn't seen this kind of response before to things like uh, Trump committing obstruction of justice or Trump lying about a jobs report or, you know, the fire hose of lies, as you call it. Uh, but now it's starting to involve this much broader movement. Do you feel because I've been feeling and I know that we've said this a hundred times in the last three years. This is it. This is the tipping point. We're at the top of the roller coaster. But it, it, it feels like we might actually be moving towards some change this time. Do you do you see that? I see it with the um, the tear gas Bible photo up. Yeah. I think I think that was so one of the things that I think, you know, we talked about how we're sort of this is huge. Like none, we didn't see this coming. It seems to me that what happened is these protests came out and then the police pushed back. Trump pushed back. We had this photo op tear gas thing and that brought out more. Am I right about that? That they that that prompted more coming out on the street because of the tear gas. That's what it felt like. And also um the 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 delay in arresting the other three officers is kind of what began and then it we added to it with the tear gas and the the bible photo op and then we added to that with now the fire hose of lies kind of becomes material to a larger movement right because they know they they know they're being lied about they know they're out there in huge numbers so right I, that's what that's what i've been seeing this fact that the um that the that because of the because things sort of Excel, you know, Trump saying we're going to dominate the protesters. What what gives me hope with this? At one point, Timothy Snyder, who's of course the world class expert in authoritarian regimes, he said at some point people have to be willing to put their bodies out on the street. And th- there was some cynicism on Twitter that you know, are Americans too soft? Like, can we really put our bodies out on the street? And one of the questions I've gotten relentlessly over the past year, in fact, I put up a frequently asked question because people are asking me, what if Trump declares martial law and cancels the election? And Well, he'd have to send troops to every polling place. And what this showed us right now is Americans will put their bodies out there. Mm-hmm. That if, if there was any attempt to send troops to polling places, those troops would have to go through tens of thousands of people. And so... It, <laughs> So if you and and I think that that's maybe what is giving us that you know that hope right now. It's not so much the 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 tear gas Bible up, and part of that is notice that they're backpedaling. You know now Barr is lying and saying he didn't give the orders. He wouldn't be backpedaling and lying if he didn't know it's a major blunder. So so they know that, but I think what we can see is that is that Americans and the young people will put their bodies out there if, if we have to do that. And I think that's the, you know, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah. All through, actually, I say what, all through the Mueller investigation, the Mueller report, I frustrated a lot of people by saying that um, the criminal justice system is not going to get us out of this. This is not a criminal justice problem. This is a problem in the democracy, and it can only be solved through the democratic means of enough people coming out. Mm-hmm. And this frustrated people because they had the idea that laws were broken, therefore it's a criminal justice problem. And yeah. I, I'm a minute expert in the criminal justice system. I worked in it for years, and it is not. This is the kind of thing, this and, and voting is the kind of thing that ultimately gets us out. 
Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we've heard over the last several years, why, why aren't people in the streets? You should be in the streets. You need to be in the streets. And all this language that you're talking about, this very specific and, and a deliberate language about dominating the citizenry and the, the call for the military, unmarked police at the Lincoln Memorial, that all came right after a phone call from, from the bunker or right after the bunker, you know, after he was whisked down to the bunker, you know, just to inspect it, uh, of course. Uh, at, <laughs> yeah, right. And, you know, he's in the bunker. They turn down the lights in the White House. And, and then there's a call with Putin. And then all of a sudden he comes out, tells the governor they have to dominate the citizenry. We have to bring out the military. Uh, and there's just this massive show of military force. Uh, and, 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 it, and we're supposed to believe he spoke with Putin uh, from the bunker about oil markets. And, You're right. and, uh, and, and, you know, <laughs> the, you know, arms race. Okay. Um, so, of course, we don't know what's going to be in that call. I have no faith that we'll ever find out what's, what, what are in any of these calls that we learn about from Russian social media uh, or Russian media. But, I mean, that, that language was just so uh, deliberate and quite – and then there were people who were for it and then against it. They sent troops. They pulled troops back. And then Esper finally said, we're not doing this. And then John Kelly and uh, four other former four-star generals and admirals came out saying, this is not a thing. We can't do this. And – there was a lot of pushback there, and and I, I'm I'm just wondering when that, when those dots are going to be connected. Not that it matters, though, right, Terry? I mean, if those dots are never connected, it kind of doesn't matter at this point. What do you mean? Tell me what you mean. We've already got the groundswell of opposition to this, this action. These these you know, this injustice, this systematic racial injustice. I don't think just like it's, you know, oh, they lied about a jobs report isn't going to bring more people out to the streets. I don't think that, you know, connecting maybe Putin's ideas of how to handle an uprising citizenry are going to either deter or make it swell even more. I think that the, the, that the, the real problem is already out there. Right. I agree with you. And actually, one of the interesting things for me watching all of this is, Trump, one of the things that Trump has done from the beginning, which stunned us at first, is that he keeps doubling down. So even in 2016, when he would double down where ordinarily what Republicans would do is not Republican candidates would sort of wink, wink at the far right, but then sort of shift center a bit. But what Trump kept doing is doubling down on these authoritarian positions and these racist positions. And we were all really surprised by it. And I ended up understanding something about this, that he doubles down because he can't lose that 30%, the 40% that he's got. So Mm -hmm. he doubles down on it. um, And he's doubling down right now. And it's the doubling down on dominate the protesters. It's the doubling down on the fact that the protesters are un-American and enemies of the people. It's doubling down on this that I think is getting everybody back out more into the streets. And so this time, the doubling down isn't working for him. And, you know, Ted Lieu, who's very, very smart, he keeps telling Trump on Twitter, there's no military solution. The only solution here is you have to listen and and get behind reforms. Well, Trump actually can't do that because you can't have your base be the Ku Klux Klan and white supremacists and then also suggest meaningful reform. You can't. So he cannot do what needs to be done without without losing his base you can't do both yeah so so he has no choice but to double down 
So then he doubles down and he's doubled down on this lie. Actually, let's take probably the biggest lie, um, the lie that's most affecting the young people is the lie that these protesters are dangerous. These protesters are a threat. So that is a lie that it's not about someone else. It's about and it's about me or it's about my daughter out there who's 25 years. You know, what I'm saying? it's so Trump has been lying about them. Trump lies about the that the migrants at the at the border pose a, an existential threat to America. Trump lies about them. But right now, his lies are directed at a large section of Americans and people, even if they're not out on the street, old, older people who probably really shouldn't be right. Um, older people have children and grandchildren out on the street. And so when Trump says these people protesting are enemies of the people, now he's like about you, yeah. not them. And so I think that's, I think one of the turning points here is that he pointed his his propaganda machine, not at people who are in any way other, yeah. but, but, you know, really mainstream college students. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a really good point. Um, this is, uh, I think this discussion uh, probably deserves its own series. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but I wanted to thank you for coming on today and, and pointing out some of those you know that what I think um, Masha Gessen calls power lies, what we've called the fire hose of lies, uh, purposeful, deliberate, rapid fire. Um, and before I let you go, I was hoping you could tell everybody where they can find you and read your work and what you're working on now. Well, I am finishing up a manuscript on disinformation. It's a actually it turns out to be really quite an interesting project. It's the history of disinformation from ancient times. Um, I march all the way through the Middle Ages and conspiracy theories and um, through the 20th century, rise of fascism, all the way up to the current time, and then talk about how disinformation destroys democracy um, and what we can do about it. So that's um, a book. Actually, it's coming out. It's going to be a graphic novel. It's with Macmillan. And what's what's fun about a graphic novel is, right, like it's cool. Like, I don't write books. No, I've never written a book that I think could be properly called cool, um, but it's going to be a graphic novel. So that's what I'm doing. And I'm on Twitter. And I also, um, I, I blog. Where's your blog? My blog is, I think it's got some really original name, like Terry Canefield dash blog. <laughs> I mean, it's something really you know, stunning. When, when I first opened it up, I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah, it's Terry Canefield, one word, dash blog dot com. Great. Really stunningly. And then I'm on Twitter under my name. Well, thank you um, very much for taking the time to speak with me about this today. This is something that I think is going to be very important going forward. uh, And uh, I think we all understand it a little bit better now. So everybody, author, lawyer, Terry Canefield, thanks for coming on The Daily Beans. No, thank you for having me. All right, everybody, we'll take a quick break. We'll return with the good news block after this quick break. So stay with us. 
Hey friends, it's AG, and this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunsoil CBD. From coffee and supplements to pet treats, CBD is popping up in everything these days, but it can be confusing and complicated. Um, how can you tell what's good for you and what's not? And even more importantly, who can you trust? Those were some of the questions I had, and Sunsoil CBD had all the answers. With Sunsoil, you know what's in every bottle and exactly where it came from. There's no second guessing because they only use ingredients you can understand and trust. Most of their products have just two ingredients, organic hemp and organic coconut oil. Transparency and quality control are what set Sunsoil apart from the rest. They farm all their own hemp in their Green Mountain Farms of Vermont and extract the CBD themselves, testing for quality and purity at every step of the way. They never use pesticides, herbicides, or GMOs because Sunsoil does everything in-house and keeps their products simple. They can offer the highest quality CBD at unbeatable prices. In fact, Sunsoil products are half the price, often, of other ingestible CBD brands. And every Sunsoil product is USDA organic certified, including their oil drops, soft gels, capsules, and coconut oil. Uh, I like to put a few of the oil drops in my morning coffee, sometimes after a workout in a smoothie. And I often take a soft gel at night before getting some great sleep. And the greatest thing about Sunsoil is that uh, as the largest CBD manufacturer to partner with 1% for the planet, they'll be donating 1% of Sunsoil's annual sales to help environmental nonprofits that do good for people, plants, and our planet. So yay for environmentalism. Sunsoil removes all the guesswork by making pure and simple CBD products at unbeatable prices. Get 30% off your first order by going to sunsoil.com slash dailybeans. That's S-U-N-S-O-I-L dot com slash Daily Beans for 30% off your first order. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And joining me today for the good news block is Amanda Reeder. How are you? Doing okay. How are you? I'm all right. How was your weekend? It's been pretty chill. Um, I spent some time outside a little bit, which was nice because they're loosening, you know, some restrictions on being able to be at parks and beaches and stuff. So I've been getting a little more fresh air and I feel like my anxiety has subsided a little bit in terms of just like being outside in general um, because of the great testing numbers in San Diego. Um, And I was also so proud to see like from afar all of the amazing protesting happening in San Diego. I didn't get into the mix myself because of my health and my immigration status, but the the protests here in San Diego were huge and I was really I was so happy to see that. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely looking into some of those caravan in your car protests um that 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 mm-hmm. like are they're like safer for people who might be a little more mm-hmm. vulnerable. Uh, I don't know how that helps with you know you be having an immigration status, but <laughs> with COVID at least it's it's I think it's helps mitigate it. Absolutely. Yeah, if you can't be out there because of your because you're worried about um the risk of supporting COVID, yeah, San Diego and I'm sure a lot of other cities had these big um car caravan protests which I didn't really know about until after the fact, but um yeah, I think that's I think that's rad. You know, it's still it's still making a fuss. It's still getting your voice heard, but just in a more pandemic friendly manner. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really incredible, and it seems like the momentum is still you know not letting up. So um, yeah, I'm like listening and donating and keeping an eye on it every single day, and I'm just sort of like at the edge of my seat, seeing you know what's going to happen with everything that these protesters are pushing for right now. Yeah, definitely uh, a lot of reform happening. I mean, I know that we got rid of chokeholds here. They did in Dallas. They've done a, multiple police um, precincts across the, the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't think these protests are going to let up until they get real reform, uh, as in not defunding the police, but at least taking large chunks 
taking large chunks of the police budget and putting it towards uh, treatment, mental health, um, domestic violence uh, and rape prevention and, and uh, assistance uh, and response and things like that um, where it's needed. The, the policing that's not needed and the demilitarization of police has to happen. Uh, or I don't I don't see th- this letting up and, and I hope that it doesn't um, and we'll just continue the fight. But we have some good news today. What what have our what have our intrepid listeners sent you? It's a damn good news day. Um, all right. So let's kick it off with Anonymous here. Uh, Anonymous says, good news. My husband is a Vietnam War vet and he occasionally communicates with other vets who are in the country with him. To my husband's dismay, most of them have supported Trump over the last four years. Boo. <laughs> uh, but since General Mattis spoke up, he tells me others in his group are not only turning away from Trump, but now say they will vote for Biden. It's a small group of people, but I'm hoping they might be representative of other vet groups. Yeah, and I was I was noticing not just with Mattis, uh, but there were four other four-star generals and admirals who came to sp- uh, spoke spoke out against Trump in the past week, and and Colin Powell. Uh, has said that he not only denounces what Trump is doing uh, and how he's moving away from the Constitution, but that he also supports Joe Biden. I never thought in a million years uh, Colin Powell would be publicly endorsing a Democrat mm-hmm. for president. Yeah, it's it's I didn't think I would see that either. But here we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> here we are. Um, all right. This next one is from Alexis, and this is in a reply to Jordan, um, because there's been a bit of back and forth between Jordan and this patron on um, their opinions on uh, the school police. Um, so Alexis says, a reply to Jordan. I've done a bit more research on the SRO program in Howard County and talked to some of my teacher friends. From what I understand, although they have the authority to arrest students, they very rarely do unless uh, it's a serious offense like assault. They do not get involved in, in, in any school discipline whatsoever. I know we don't agree on their existence and that's cool, but I was thinking that getting kids interested in a possible career on the force is the best way to bring more diversity to the police force. Also, I forgot to mention that our current chief of police is a woman of color. So, yeah. yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that, Alexis. Um, this next one made me really emotional, and I love it. And, like, more stories like this, please, because this is so nice to hear. Um, this is from Allie. And Allie says, Hi, team. Longtime listener. First-time commenter. I've been listening to Molly. She wrote from the very first episode. Uh, you are You are committed to us. Um, I live in a small-ish town in Virginia, population 6,227. Yes, I googled that. Not five minutes ago, I drove past a handful of people and protesters on our main road near the grocery store, holding out signs stating things like, stand together and Virginians against police brutality. And since it's Pride Month, I know, (laughs) in a tiny town of 6,000 people, dude. Um, And since it's Pride Month, uh, the signs were also in pride colors. As someone who has driven past signs supporting Trump on that same road every day for the last four years, who is also a part of the LGBTQ community, I had to hold myself together to keep from bursting into tears, tears of joy and tears of pride. I want you to know that even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes, even if you feel as though you could be doing so much more, you, the Daily Beans team, have helped to make this happen. Your voices have reached thousands. You, all of you, with your words and your infallible humor, have informed an army of people. You have kept me sane and given me hope when all seemed totally hopeless. You have made me laugh when it seemed impossible. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, man. I know. <laughs> when, I was, when I was editing that part of the script, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Tugging at my heartstrings. 
I just, I feel like a giant Thank dumbass, you, you know? I just feel like a giant dumbass. I never know if my opinions are valuable. So um, that's, that's really nice. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Allie. I, I appreciate that. And um, I, I, I don't, I see, it's like so hard for me to know what to do with I know. <laughs> like comments like that. Like, um, thank you. Just thank you. I know it's very heartwarming and wonderful and, um, you know, I'm sure it gives you a lot of strength in the moments when, you know, when it is hard to report the news, you know, but like it feels really good to be bringing something to, to people and it's nice. It's, it's, I feel, I feel very honored to have been a part of, uh, working on this project with you. So, um, okay. This next one is from Ireland. We have a lot of fans in Ireland. Um, and when this is all over, please know we will be coming to Dublin and you will all be taking us for a drink. Um, this is yes. from Thomas. Thomas says, hello, ladies. A message from your biggest fan in Ireland. I think Rory might have something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I feel like Rory's our team leader. Uh, for Ireland. But, you know, yeah, it's 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 up in the air. But um, uh, I feel like if you are uh, from from not an American country and you're listening, nominate yourself to be team leader of your country in terms of our fan club. Let us know on Twitter what country you're in and what. <laughs> country you would like to be the team leader of americans need not apply there's too many of you but if you're outside the u.s let us know where from and we'll choose our team captains um canadians i'm looking for you <laughs> um okay so thomas says a message from your biggest fan in ireland we went into lockdown here on friday march 13th i don't live with my girlfriend yet uh we've only been dating for a year uh she lives on the other side of the city which means i was unable to see her because we were not allowed to go uh, beyond two kilometers outside our homes the last time I saw her in real life was on March 8th. We tried our best to keep it going and thank the lords for FaceTime and WhatsApp video. We even celebrated her birthday apart, but at least we could digitally see each other. Then, three weeks ago, she got diagnosed with acute kidney problems, and on May 21st, she went into the hospital for an emergency kidney operation to remove a stone that was causing a blockage. Ouch! That surgery did not yeah. go well. Yeah. She needed additional surgeries, and I was not allowed to visit her in the hospital due to the pandemic. She had to stay in the hospital, and we couldn't celebrate our first year anniversary together because of that. So far, so bad. <laughs> on June 3rd, I was allowed to go briefly see her, masks and distance and all, which was amazing, and I could give her some chorizo and cheese because she loves that, and the hospital food sucks. Um, uh, and th as of this weekend, June 7th, after four kidney, four kidney surgeries and 17 days in the hospital for what was supposed to be one surgery in three days, I finally get to bring her home and we get to be together. The restrictions have been slowly lifted so I can bring her to my place and she can stay there and I can take care of her. I can't wait to do that because she is my Wonder Woman and I have missed her immensely. Oh, oh I misread that. My Venezuelan um, Wonder Woman. So I guess she's Venezuelan. So, oh. So good for you awesome um that's so nice i'm so happy for you thomas yes good for you i'm so glad you guys you get to be together it's been since march 8th yeah. it's it's that's that's three months mm -hmm. and then all those surgeries and uh, i'm just so glad that that it's working out mm -hmm. absolutely oh, that's so nice um okay the next one is from john and back here in the u.s uh, John says, an immediate outcome of the George Floyd protest is some Confederate statues are finally coming down. Yes, we have mentioned this a few times, yes. but always worth bringing it up more. Statues have been removed in Virginia and Alabama with more under review, including at the Kentucky State House. These monuments were erected as a temper tantrum to black citizenship and civil rights, along with the traitor's flags. They do not belong in modern America. I could not agree more. 
Um, all right. This next one is international again from Oslo, Norway, which, by the way, is such a beautiful city. I traveled there for work a few years ago, and everyone is so beautiful, and it's so clean, and you make me so mad. Um, all right. Barbo, I think I'm saying that correctly, says... <laughs> make you mad. <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> make you mad. because we're all so ugly in comparison. Scandinavian people are effortlessly beautiful, and it's enraging. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we're all beautiful. We're all beautiful. <laughs> we are all beautiful. Um, uh, they just pull it together so stylishly, you know? Uh, so Barbo says, just on my way back from demonstrations here in Oslo, Norway, according to the police, they think there were 15,000 people, uh, in, in protesting in the drizzle and in 15 degrees Celsius, which is 58 degrees Fahrenheit. We are with you in Norway. It's so amazing to hear all of these people shouting with one voice, no justice, no peace, and we can't breathe. It was very emotional. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Norway. 15,000 people in Norway. That's fucking incredible. Thank you so much for standing with us right now. It feels good. Um, yeah, as I think it's, I feel like Amanda is citizens of the United States that do not represent the government and, and do not feel represented by our government mm-hmm. to have the world stand with us yep. is and, es- and especially Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter is just so it's so incredible. Um, yeah, after being gaslit for so long, mm-hmm. it's just amazing. So thank you. Thank you for that. It's incredible. I mean, watching the coverage, I mean, in the US, it's been obviously really heartening. I mean, all these ginormous protests, but also all around the world, it's been so nice to see that citizens of the world understand that Trump is not representative of like what most of America wants for its future. And it's just, it's really, it's so heartening to see that. You know, I always tell people when when they say, you moved to the US from Canada, I'm like, yes, but I promise you, there are so many amazing people. <laughs> um it's not all Trumpy. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> I promise. Uh, all right, the next one is from Lauren, and Lauren says, I'm a resident of Asheville, North Carolina. Unfortunately, we made national news last week when the local police made a production of destroying the medic station during protests. I didn't hear about that, but gross. We talked about it uh, on this show, um, Jordan and I did, so we've covered it. Um but you know, because we're we're all quarantining and we're all you know mm-hmm. doing this remotely. When when it's Jordan and I talking, you aren't in the room, and when it's you and I talking, Jordan's <laughs> not in the room. So so yeah, we did cover that medic station. All right, cool. Yeah, I didn't listen to that uh, bit of the show yet, but yeah, good to know. Uh, Lauren says, I thought I'd share some good news to balance the scales here from Asheville. Uh, Monday night's protest escalated quickly into a tear gas and rubber bullet chaos, met with tagging, broken storefront windows, and looting. However. The following Tuesday morning, volunteers came downtown to pick up trash, scrub graffiti, and help shop and restaurant owners board up their businesses. Area hardware stores donated supplies for this effort, and many of the owners invited local artists to paint murals and messages of support for the protesters and Black Lives Matter and the Black Lives Matter movement on the plywood covering their windows. I have included a link to the article with photos of all of this amazing art. Enjoy. That's really nice. Thank you awesome. so much, Lauren. Ah. Good news today. It's really thank you guys for sharing those amazing stories. Yeah, keep sending, keep sending them in. Um, mm-hmm. We really um, we need to focus on the positivity and the push forward mm-hmm. for uh, for massive reform, and 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 that's what that's what you guys are doing. That's what y'all are doing. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sending those in. Mm-hmm. And normally we would do a quarantine confessions bit here, but we have turned that into its own show. It's already out now. The the first episode. Um, the premiere for the series debuted Saturday, yes, um, a couple days ago, mm-hmm. and you can find it by searching for Quarantine Confessions. Look for our spyglass lady; she's on there, and uh, you'll you'll know which one it is. <laughs> and uh, 
and take a listen. And then we'll be collecting all of your good news stories for the good news blocks on Daily Beans as they come out during the week. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we will be collecting your quarantine confessions for uh, next Saturday. So where can they send those, Mandy? So if you go to uh, any of the following links, you can go to mollyshirot.com, dailybeanspod.com, or quarantineconfessionspod.com. And under the contact uh, uh, drop down you will see a, um, a link to submit your quarantine confessions and your good news stories um, and uh, if you're having trouble finding it for any reason you can tweet at us at Daily Beans Pod we'll share the form with you but uh, but yeah it should be pretty easy to find it's right there on our website and you can remain anonymous um, uh, or not it's up to you and we would really really love your your stories of, of stuff that's happening Right now, in this moment in time, they're amazing. And also, your juicy confessions, because those are very fun to read, and we are dedicating a whole show to it, so send as many as you would like. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Mandy. Mm-hmm. Um, we are we are witnessing history uh, and mm-hmm. would love to hear um, and document uh, your, your good news about it. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Do you have any final thoughts, Mandy? I do. I just wanted to say, again, uh, happy Pride to everyone. Happy Pride Month. And for me personally, I've taken on a mission to uh, support Black artists this month, Black LGBTQ artists, and to and to watch, uh, you know, Black queer content and, and read books and watch documentaries. So if you have any suggestions for me on artists, on documentary, on books, on, on whatever that you think I should check out, I want to center my you know, I want to center my Pride Month around black and brown people this month. So uh, tell me what things I should be reading and watching. Um, I would super appreciate it. All right. Thank you. And um, until tomorrow, everyone, please take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Amanda Reader. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.